This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 2, Episode 63, Fly South Nashville. Fly South is Nashville's premier fly fishing shop. Their midtown location is at 115 19th Avenue South. Over 20 years of experience outfitting, guiding, and teaching anglers in the Mid-South. They offer a complete array of services, including guided fly fishing trips, casting instruction, fly tying classes, fly fishing classes, and fly fishing schools. I sat down with Jim on a recent summer morning, and we discussed all things Fly South. You can find them at flysouth.net. This podcast, even though it was recorded in another fly shop, is being brought to you by Risen Fly. Quality fly fishing gear that will rival the big companies, but keep some extra money in your pocket. Rods, reels, lines, accessories, and so much more. Be sure to let them know you heard about them on the podcast. And by now, being this is the third time we've had them sponsor a podcast in a row, you should be receiving your fly box, the double silicone floating waterproof one. If not, get on risenfly.com and order one right now. Do it. Trust me. 
It's the best fly box I've ever owned. All right, Jim, where are we right now? So we're in Nashville, Tennessee, sitting in the theater room at Fly South. Tell me about this room. This is pretty cool. Yeah, so we came into this space about seven years ago. And for 30-some-odd years, it was a high-end kind of audio-visual place. At one time, they sold all the digital tape to Music Row. Um, but in the end of their business, they were in the selling home theaters for your house. So when we came into the space, there were six theater rooms set up, and so we kept one of them. It's pretty cool. The sound in here is pretty awesome for recording, too. Yeah, it's all There's you know. It's no all echo. sound panels and yeah. yeah. Jason's yeah, gonna like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the 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 screen was here. Unfortunately, they didn't leave any of their nice high end audio stuff. But um, the screen was here. We found these seats. Um, a church was replacing their choir seats, so we found these seats um, from them. And then the upholstery on these seats uh, were curtains from another theater room. How in about here. that? Yeah. So, been repurposed twice actually because the um, owner before us said those curtains came out of a funeral home that they had repurposed in the in the in the curtains for one of the screening rooms and then we repurposed them for so for these seats. Do you have classes in here? Do you just show yeah so movies um, classes in here? Speakers will 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 kind of plug in here. Uh, oddly enough, a lot of our customers will use it for. Um, presentations to their clients or to their training and staff we'll kind of let anyone use it um it's we don't you know if you're a customer we don't really charge you to use it but it's amazing um you know even if three new people discover what we carry it always translates in the in the new customers anybody mistake that jar of Cicada shucks for snacks during <laughs> yeah, the movie. Yeah, Start looks, crunching on them. <laughs> if you pass it around, they, you so probably wouldn't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And of course, you got the hot chicken joint across the street. So you have a lot of signs in your parking lot. A lot of signs. We fight. Um, we fight parking. Just Nashville is growing so fast, and a lot of free parking that used to be around the city is going away now. And so, yeah, we have to protect our parking a little bit nice. but you know we have parking in front of the building and behind a lot of our customers don't realize that we do have some spaces behind but my wife didn't even park she i had it like tuck and roll she's like open the door and get out <laughs> get out yeah yeah. yeah yeah all right let's talk about uh the shop maybe before the fishery so what are some of the brands you carry here you know so um we carry too many brands is what a lot of my manufacturers would say but you know in stock we typically have about 300 different fly rods in stock. So we carry Sage, Scott, Winston, Loomis, Reddington, Echo. What am I leaving out? <laughs> it's a good amount. Uh, St. Croix, yeah, it is. Yeah. Do you carry rods for around the world versus just to fish locally? And no, for around the world. And... and um, we've got a diverse fishery, so it kind of demands a, a broader selection. But we're also, you know, we're only seven hours from tarpon fishing in the panhandle here. We're, you know, we're only, you know, 10 hours to the Great Lakes steelhead stuff. And, and um, 
a lot of people don't realize, like the proximity of Nashville. And you, we've got small mountain streams close. We've got big southern tailwaters. We have salt water all within a day's drive. And so, you know, it doesn't take too long to get to a lot of different things. Um, and your fly selection shows that. You've got a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's like we we have a, you know, the Bahamas are close. Um, you know, it's an easy flight to Mexico from here. It, it um, you know, we have a lot of guys that go up and fish the eastern seaboard every year. Um, you know, there's a contingent of Great Lake guy, Lakes guys. So, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, what do you want? We've got it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Pretty good fly tying room. Yeah. Um, you know, that was, I grew up in Denver. So growing up in Denver when I was young, there was some great shops that had great fly tying selections. And then all of that started to fade as a lot of shop owners realized they could make more money on hats and T-shirts than they could feathers. And so... I, you know, I started to see these great shops with great tying selections start to shrink that. Um, but that was the reason why I would go in every week was, you know, to get a new patch of hair or feathers or hooks. And in that, you would see what was new in the rest of the shop or see what the shop guys were excited about. Um, so I used to tie professionally kind of through college um, just to support my fishing habit, and which took me into a lot of shops. But in the back of my mind, I always thought, man, if I ever open a fly shop, it's going to have a good fly tying uh, selection. And we've always kind of stuck to that principle. There's not a lot of plate. There's not a lot of shops that carry a uh, broader range and in, in as deep a tying selection as we do. Right now in DC, if you want to go find. Blue or pink or green estaz, good luck. You might get like a color of brown. Maybe you can't even find like olive marabou in DC. It's tough. Yeah, you know, and a lot of what we do isn't very profitable. But again, we're all tires in here, and we're all passionate about it. So, you know, I hate dying, but you know, we're kind of forced to dye certain colors because you can't get them. Um, and uh, again, it's. It, it, it's hard to set your shop apart from other shops. When you're all kind of carrying the same hard goods, you know, if you walk into a Sage dealer or walk into a Winston dealer, they're going to have whatever's current from those, you know, two vendors. Um, so finding things that every other shop in the country doesn't have is um, hard, but we try and, you know, we try and work at it so that, you know, when you do walk in here, there is something that you're not going to see in every other shop in the country. All right. What's new and notable in the time that people are excited about in the shop? You know, I'll tell you, it's, it, it, there's little trends in tying. And so um, for us, the last several years, um, and it's because of our musky fishery and then our striper fishery. Um, is that all because of the... TVA and the dams they built back in the well, early last century. So the the striper component of that is yes, uh, musky. There there used to be a native musky on the plateau here, um, so it was it didn't get as big as the northern strain, um, but they were here and 
the Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency has spent numerous years trying to put muskie back up on the plateau. So there's several streams that have them. You know, most people, when you hear about muskie in our part of the world, they're talking about the Collins, the Upper Caney um, fork system. That's where the tournament started um, and is held every year. So, so a lot of people are fixated on that fishery. Yes, hardly strictly. Yeah, that's it. Um, So, because of those things, um, a quality bucktail has been what what our trend has been for the last couple of long ones back in there. Yeah, and you know, again, I need to get to dying because I got some people screaming at me. Because we're out, of, we're out of colors, but yeah. So that that has been a trend, you know. We're seeing. Um, so we always lag behind the West in trout trends. So um, a lot of the Euro style competition stuff is moving into this this part of the world. There's been a little pocket over in um, North Carolina, Smoky Mountains area. So we're seeing a lot more. Um, demand for jig hooks and those style of flies so pretty opposite spectrum there from you know big big bucktail streamers to you know to small competition uh style nymphs but that's those are the two trends that we've seen here a lot of articulation you know yeah a lot of articulation and and you know quite frankly you know over articulation um which you know it's good for me you know but yeah you see that has been a trend that's starting to fade a little bit though um i think a lot of guys are realizing and they take longer to fl- to tie and something that has six artic- articulated pieces in it doesn't really fish any better maybe that something has three so you're seeing you're seeing some of that get reined in um not so excessive in arti- in articulation okay yeah yeah what about rods? Anything new that's coming out in the industry you're excited about? You know, the all my guys are pretty excited about um, Salt HD. Uh, the X from Sage still has a a, a lot of kind of legs to it. Um, you know, the Asquith, believe it or not, even though it's it, it's so Pricey. expensive, um, has been better than kind of we thought it would. Um, you know, the Meridian and the Radian are still strong from Scott. Um, yeah, that's kind of been that's kind of been our trend a little bit. Yeah. Anything uh, new with fly lines that you're enjoying? You know, the I tell you the fly lines have gotten so complicated, which is great. Um, but a lot of consumers don't realize how complicated they've become. Which translates into um, how much a, a line can either help you or kill the action of the rod or whatever you're trying to do. So, you know, some some nice stuff people may not have noticed were single hand spay lines last year. Um, actually, are really great lines for doing a lot of things that redo. We've do. got the OPST for my five weight. Yeah, I can just bomb out a single roll cast and shoot 60, 70 feet yeah. from the bank. Yeah, yeah. But I've learned you can't strip that line. I have the uh, the laser line. Yeah. You can't strip it in. Right, yeah. And I you broke know, my, um, my laser line broke on a shooting head last December. My whole shooting head floated downstream. It got caught between a rock, and the current just 
popped it, and I just saw that whole oh, brand new head. Just like, oh my goodness. You know, that's it's it's funny. That's where the the trending lines have been kind of shorter and heavier, a lot more weight, a lot quicker in the head, which I've never really been a fan of. Um, so you're seeing some trends kind of move away from that again. Um, Rio's new Flats Pro line, I think, is going to be really good. I have not fished it yet, so I'm saying this without having been on water with it yet, but playing around with it on some water and um, casting it, I really like the feel of that line right now. I think that I think that's going to be a, a good line for saltwater um, this year. Um, you know, trout lines, I'm all, we do a lot of small stuff here, especially through the summer. So, you know, I just kind of like a true line weight line that's going to present the fly, you know, where I want it and easily. Um, our kind of smallmouth streamer guys, they like a little front-loaded, shorter head, just because our smallmouth water here in this part of the state is smaller. Uh it's not like some of the big northeast streams, even some of the streams, you know, kind of upper east Tennessee. Um, it's almost like trout pocket water in, in some of our smallmouth streams around here. So if you're trying to throw a little heavier fly, trying to get a crayfish down, trying to turn over, a, you know, a, a bait fish pattern, and you don't have a lot of room, you got to get that rod loaded up. So um, my true smallmouth guys like a little softer rod and a little more weight in the front end of the line. Yeah. I'm always happy with like the Rio. Rio outbound. makes a good line. Yeah. Yeah. Outbound well, a lot, a lot of guys fish outbounds, outbound shorts. Um, it makes the worst caster be able to chuck something far. Yeah. Well, it just gets everything loaded up. Yeah. It's yeah. nice. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. What about some soft goods? I noticed you have the sacks. Yes. My buddy was telling me I need to get a pair of those. You know, it's... If you want to explain what those are for the, <laughs> the gentleman listening. Um, so, it's an underwear line out of Canada that essentially has two internal baffles that kind of keep the boys in line. And the outdoor rep that came in here asking if we might be interested, I just kind of passed on him. And then he left some underwear for the staff. Um, new in the box, I hope? Yeah, new in the box. Right. And then I, I, I was out of town for a couple days, came back in. And the whole staff was like, you got to order these things, you got to order these things. And I was like, I just, we just don't need another underwear brand in here. And they just kept on pestering me about it. And so um, he finally sent me a pair and I tried them and I was like, okay, these are, these are pretty nice underwear. It's one of those rare brands that if you can get someone to try them, they will come back on their own and buy more. And... Um, well, do people you, mail order them through your shop? No, no. It's mostly our customers that, that walk in. Walk in, and I give you an example. An old customer of mine, he was quickly leaving town, and he forgot to pack underwear, and he just stopped in. Was like, "What do you have?" And Zach was like, "Here, take these." And so he, he took a couple pair, left town, came back, and was like, "Those are the greatest things I've ever worn." Grab. Grab some more, 
And then fast forward to a, a buddy of his was leaving town and going to Europe. And he's like, you have to, and he was saying, you have to try these underwear. We weren't, I mean, we weren't even selling. He's like, you have to try these underwear. He's like, I'm not paying. They're, they're relatively expensive. They're $35, $40 a pair. And he's like, you have to try these underwear. Um, he's like, I'm not buying underwear. And he's like, I'm going to buy you a pair, but you have to wear them. So he bought his friend a pair of underwear who was going to Europe. And he's like, you have to wear them on the plane over. And he did. So 10 days later, he came back into the store and he's just, he walks in and he just starts to laugh. And I was like, Tom, how was your trip? He's like, it was great. And Zach was like, well, how was the underwear? And he's like, he just shook his head and he just kind of chuckled. He goes, give me all of your extra larges. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of that weird brand in that if you try them, almost everyone comes back and, and, and gets another pair. Yeah, that ha- you know, I've been doing this a long time. You know, if there's stuff like that happens every now and then um, where it ends up just selling itself. Yeah. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. Yep. You know, and then, you know. I'm trying to think of some good testicular puns, but I'm not coming up yeah. with that. <laughs> they, they have some pretty clever, clever advertising. But, you know, and they do, you know, for us, the, the performance, so the ones that will dry quick. I mean, a lot of people, you know, you're wearing a, a five, six, seven hundred dollar Gore-Tex waiter now, and then you're throwing cotton underwear on underneath Ugh. it. Just does it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, we get beat up a lot for for carrying clothing from some of our smaller competitors around. You know, it's like, well, you know, really, if you're the more comfortable you are while you're fishing, especially if you're, you know, fishing here when it's, you know, if you've been here this week, it's been miserably miserably hot. You know, if you don't have clothes that'll move that perspiration off your body and keep, you know, and not have clothes that clean to you, it's miserable. You can't, you just, you won't want to be outside. Um, same thing when it's cold. If you, you know, if your, if your underwear is holding your perspiration right next to your skin when you're, you know, standing in a, in a cold stream in Alaska, you're going to get cold and, you, and you're not going to be as comfortable, which means you're not going to be able to fish as long. So, you know, having performance clothing to go under you know, your waiters that are that are meant to perform at a certain level is really important. And so, um, you know, I came out of that outdoor industry. I was an outdoor buyer for 14 years. And so it, you know, that experience um, kind of carries over to, you know, waiters are important, your line's important, your leader's important, but also, you know, if you're serious about this sport, it takes you to a lot of demanding environments. You know, you're a steelhead fisherman, you know? I mean, how many freezing days? I just bought the Sitka Hudson jacket. Yeah, I right. can't wait to wear <laughs> yeah, that out there. Exactly. I'm so happy. Exactly. You know, so your choice is not, not to go, to go and be miserable, or to go and, and be comfortable. And so if, you're, if you can go and stay comfortable longer, you know, the likelihood that, that you're going to catch fish is increased you know tremendously so you know we believe gear starts you know with with clothing all the way down to your you know fly tip it and leader yeah all right anything else about the shop before we start talking about your fishery or maybe the culture of nashville is a big fishing crowd here you know it's not it's not as big as um you know pick a western town um it's growing um 
and it's diverse like our fishery. And just driving here today, I saw a flats boat over by Bolton's. Yeah. And then we were having coffee and someone with a towie drove by. Right, right. And so that's, you know, there's little pockets of fishermen that, you know, they have a particular love. So, um, you know, I, you know, I've got guys that they only fish for panfish, and they just think that's the greatest thing, you know, in the world. And then, obviously, there's there's trout guys, but there's striper guys here, there's musky guys here. Um, we've got gar fishermen and and carp fishermen. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's a diverse kind of fishing crowd. Trout still the still the bulk it's just the nature of fly fishing but as much as we fished for a lot of different things over the years um we're finally starting to see other other things not get frowned upon it's what i like about the younger demographic that's finding the sport right now is they get excited about catching chub i mean they don't i mean they don't really care as long as they're getting something to eat the fly which, um, if you live here, is a great thing. I mean, there's some, there's some unique things that happen throughout the year here that are really fun. Um, it's not what you would think about, you know, as classic fly fishing, but you should take advantage of it. You know, the, um, we have, you know, there's five or six different carp species to, to fish here. But in the spring, the buffalo will run to spawn, and it's like a salmon run you know so you'll have thousands and thousands of fish move into several different systems to spawn and and so some days they'll chase a streamer some days you've got a dead drift of san juan to them or a small nymph you know but you know you're looking at fish that are going to be six to thirty pounds whoa um by the thousands and that's pretty cool yeah and um you know i try and tell guys every year if you're going to alaska you need to fish the buffalo run in in april because then that's exactly what you need to do to catch pacific salmon it's good practice it's yes and you know, if, if you're not tying your knots correctly then you'll you'll know yeah. you know it's right here um it's like preseason football that's going it, on right it's now exactly it's exactly uh and if you don't turn your nose up at it, it's uh, nose up at it it's really fun yeah, they're not a particularly good-looking fish, but... Um, I've only seen them in Ohio. Yeah, you know, we also fish them. They'll come up in in the flats just like a common will and feed and tail and everything, but they are, um, they are really hard to figure out. You can... You can have 200 perfect shots and not have a fish even look at the fly, and then all of a sudden a switch will turn on and your next... 30 casts will be 30 fish. And nothing changes. They they are the weirdest feeders to a fly. That sounds like a good challenge. It is, it is. They're they're that'd keep me busy. Yeah, that they're definitely kind of our I think one of our toughest fish to catch. You know? Um, and again, because you're looking at actively feeding fish. Um, you know, musky, you know, if a muskie's in the mood to eat, it doesn't really matter. He's going to eat. Now, I know all, my, all the musky guys are crying right now, but it's, it's, it's really true. 
you know, none of those guys fish the same fly twice. None of the, I mean, it's none of those guys, tiny thing that looks like anything in the river anymore. It's that's, you know, you're talking about articulated trends. It's like these bigger, you know, bigger, brighter, bigger, longer. Um, and, you know, we have as many musky caught on flies out of the bend as all those big articulated stuff. We got one on a copper John once. I don't know if we flossed it <laughs> or what. It was on a five weight and there was no net. And I, didn't want to touch it. Yeah, right. It was my first encounter with a muskie and my last. But yeah, that thing scared me. Yeah. Well, and 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 you know, it, I, you know, we can take a guy that's never caught a muskie, and if it's the if the if it's the right day in the white, you know, water level, um, you can take a, a an inexperienced fisherman and get him into a muskie. I can take a really good fisherman. Uh, onto a carp flat with feeding buffalo and he can put the fly exactly where it needs to be and not get a sniff i mean that's what's you know that's what's great about those fish but it's also what drives you mad about those fish is you gotta that, have a whole other arsenal of gear to be a musky angler um yeah a little bit not necessarily um most of the guys here um are fishing most of them are nine and ten weights and again, it depends on on what you're trying to throw fly-wise. Uh, a lot of guys have gone to, to rods that have a little softer tip. Again, it's, you know, in a lot of these systems, they're not very big. So you, you, you're not having to make really long casts, depending on where you're fishing for them. So again, trying to load a, you know, if you're trying to throw a 16-inch fly, you have to, you've got to get a rod that'll, that'll flex. And if you're trying to throw a 16-inch fly, fly only 30, 40 feet away from the boat, then, you, you know, you need a really front-loaded line and a rod that that will bend a little deeper, a little easier. Yeah. What do you do when you catch one? Do you have, like, hemostats? you have to have a jaw spreader? <laughs> most guy, most serious guys will, will carry a, a jaw spreader um, or just he a long hemostat where, you, you know, if you just reach down and... and you know, take the fly out. Are there stories of people getting their hands mangled? All the time. People are all, get bloody all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the fishing around here. So we know the species. Where, like the Cumberland River, right here. Are yeah, there, is there anything in there? Well, yeah. So the Cumberland downtown is actually um, a really good smallmouth fishery. A lot of big smallmouth for for this area. Probably the Cumberland. It's a big, dirty river. You know, it's... it's um, it's a lot of sediment in it, and so a lot of people don't think about fishing it. Um, but there's also striper and hybrid in it. There, there's carp in it. There's there's largemouth in it. There's gar in it, and it runs right through town here. And really, it doesn't look like it from you know when you cross over on the interstate. It looks really slow. It 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 is. Um, and again, depending on where you're at, and depending on what the you know what the volume is, but there are sections that are really beautiful, and it sees a lot of mayfly activity um, that a lot of people have no idea or is on that river. So, you know, guys that fish it a lot and have figured some of that out. Uh, again, you know, what do you, what do you want to chase? Panfish, you know, bass, carp. Um, there is skipjack in that river that um, skipjack. skipjack's like a river. It's like a river herring. Okay. And they'll I get. I know them as a 
Like a tuna. Yeah, yeah, that's different. All locals, right. it's a locals here call them skipjack. It looks like a little tarpon. Um, but when you get into you know a school of skipjack that are that are three, four, five pounders, um, and they're the type of fish that you can't strip a fly fast enough to keep it away from them. And you know I've been in. Skipjack boils where you couldn't hear me talking. We're what are we three feet apart? Yeah. Like there's just so much. They're just crashing so much bait that it's just mayhem. Um, so yeah, that's. I mean, that's really fun. You know, in the in the winter time here on the Cumberland, um, out by the Gallatin Steam Plant, there's a warm water discharge that pulls all the bait in, which then pulls the skipjack in, which then pulls the striper in. And so it becomes, nice. yeah, it becomes a place where a lot of guys, you know, when our weather's really bad, you can just kind of run out there, either skipjack fish or, or striper fish, or, I mean, everything congregates there. But we have sewage outflows. Yeah, similar. Yeah, yep. hot water discharge. Hot water discharge. Yeah, we're, we're in the cooler months, uh, things like to collect. But in the summer, um, you'll have, you know, big schools of, of skipjack doing the same thing. And you got the football stadium. When they turn those lights on at night during games, are there all sorts of bugs? Yes. Are people just, like, swatting stuff all night? It's, Tennessee's a buggy place. Yeah. yeah. I saw the flood pictures. That was underwater inside the stadium. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. Pretty crazy. Um, yeah, one of the, that was a bizarre weekend, um, how much it, it rained in such short order. But so off the Cumberland, there's a lot of tributaries that run into it. And so um, most of the Harpeth is a big tributary of the Cumberland. It's one of our, it's kind of one of our good smallmouth fisheries that it's right here in town. Um, so you have a lot of smaller kind of spring fed smallmouth stuff around. Then you have the big impoundments that, um, you know, you've got everything, you know, again, panfish to striped bass in. Our closest trout fishing is kind of feet wet in an hour from here. So now you're in the hydroelectric dams that, because of the cold water release every day, uh, they can hold trout all year. And so there's five within a two-hour radius of us, and then you stretch out, you know, another, you know, three to five hours. You pick up another another five kind of over in the eastern half of the state. Um, the Cumberland, as it winds up into Kentucky. Um, there is about 60 miles of trout fishery below Wolf Creek, which is another big hydroelectric dam. Um, that is also kind of a fishery that, that um, for national trout guys, was significant. It got hurt um, several years ago because of some dam repair, but it's, it's kind of roaring back to, to what it typically looked like. Is it all stocked? Any wild reproduction? You know, so, yeah, that's the odd thing about... Um, southern tailwaters you know for a long time you know all the biologists would would tell you there was no significant reproduction in the southern southern tailwater and then by accident they found natural reproduction in in the south holston which fishermen have been screaming for years you got to protect these fish and so you know it was the they had never looked for it but you know so they would they wouldn't they wouldn't commit to saying that there was any you know um, and we didn't have any, you know, scientific data that said, hey, 
there's reproduction going on, other than if you've been around this a long time, you know what a stockfish looks like relative to a wild fish. And little, so, little ones with par marks on them. Yeah, so, you know, they found it by pure accident. Um, but depending on which biologist you talk to up in Kentucky, yes, there's natural reproduction or no. Um, so they, there are several year-class fish that, that definitely go through the motion and spawn. Um, it is what's the recruitment. Uh, you know what percentage is wild or if any, and that, those numbers are a little harder to find. Yeah, um, but again, southern tailwaters grow fish big fast. Is it a lot to do with the bug life in there? You know, it, yeah, and just a di- and just a diversity of um, what they can feed on. So typically. In in winter months, which has kind of shifted, and I think that has a lot to do with we just haven't we don't cool down as fast as we used to in the fall. So it used to be um, an event that would happen somewhere between Thanksgiving and and Christmas. Now the last couple of years has happened later, February March. This conversation happens in almost every interview with somebody. Yeah, it's a little scary in in a, in a lot of regard. Um, but we get a shad kill. Which used to be when we, you know, when it would start to get really cold, um, you'd get thread fin or gizzards that would Ugh. come through the generators. Well, that's just a huge protein, you know, getting it's, chopped it's, up, going through the generator, chopped up or stunned, and and they come through, and so you know, fish put a lot of weight on when when that event happens. They'll. I mean, they will eat those shad until they're sticking out of their gills, um, and everything eats them. So you have you've got that event that happens in the winter. So there's not a lot of winter bugs in a lot of these fisheries, but but when you have that, do you ever throw flesh flies up there? Uh, yeah, yep. A popper this year was outstanding. I mean, it was just a pencil popper was so much fun. Um, so you have that event, and then we were talking about in the Caney Fork, which is our closest, it's kind of Nashville's home trout water. So uh, it's an hour out of town. Well, the buffalo come out of the Cumberland into the Caney to spawn, and they, so you have, you know, tens of thousands of fish that run into the into the river. There's a couple different runs of buffalo, and they deposit um, an egg all over the bottom of the stream bed. So there's another you know, there's another egg hatch. Yeah, and you you can watch the trout just eating those eggs off the bottom. You know, they'll you you'll catch a fish during that time of year, and they'll cough eggs up. You know, into the boat. Um, yeah. <laughs> Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. The middle part of the state, are the Tennessee tailors in the middle, they have bugs, but not, not as consistent um, or as blanket a hatch as some of the eastern tailwaters. The Cumberland in Kentucky has really good bugs, but it's kind of a young fishery. And so you don't hear a lot of those guys talking about some of the hatches up there, but they have really good hatches of caddis and mayflies. They have a really good stonefly population up there that we don't have in, in like the Caney Fork or the Elk. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really odd depending on the system. Um, you either have really good classic 
trout bugs or you don't. And in the places where you don't, it's typically scud, sow bug, black fly, midges, snails. And then you were talking about the lights at the stadium. Right. Um, there are, I, I, there's no telling how many different beetle and crane fly and just flying insects that end up in the water here. Um, so, um, so when some of the mayfly and caddis kind of die down in the tailwaters around here, you know, you'll you'll see a flying ant hatch that just dumps so many we had you know, one bugs into in, into the water. Pool. Yeah, our neighborhood swimming pool had a flying ant hatch, and the kids were freaking out. Every square inch probably had ten ants, and the kids were just disgusted by it i thought it was awesome yeah yeah i was fishing you know there you know there's all you know there's june bugs and there's japanese beetles and there's you know 20 other flying beetles and there's all kind of you know bees and wasps and you know there's cicadas and then you know we have periodic cicadas also but you know we we have dog day cicadas what they refer to here Every year, this time of year, you, yeah, we had you've probably heard them in you our probably, Airbnb the other night. Right, you probably heard them. Um, it was interesting. They were when the eclipse happened this week. Um, the cicadas just went crazy when it went dark. Um, so, yeah, it it you know again um, a lot of in the middle part of the state that the trout streams don't look like classic trout streams. So a lot of guys struggle. Like the Caney Fork has no structure in it, so unless you can really, unless you can read um, water well, um, a lot of guys struggle at first when they walk into the Caney because it's like, wow, this is just featureless. Where are the fish going to be? If you like sight fishing with small stuff, it's a wonderful river for that. In like out west, Colorado style. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of lot of fish are caught with with you know midge patterns. and the caney, they like it right below the surface. Um, some days they'll eat off the top. Some days you've got to get it to the bottom. But they will, you know, almost every day from middle June until middle October, if you just had a zebra midge, if you know how to present a fly, you're going to catch fish. Yeah. Um, there has been some water quality improvements that um, have has moved biomass upstream a little bit and then also helped with um, a lot of other things that you would find downriver in our tailwaters. But now that water quality has improved a little bit, that they've moved up. So you start, you know, we're starting to see a lot more little sculpin and darters, um, some crayfish here and there that you didn't used to see in, in um, the Caney Fork, especially. Uh, it had a, it has a real bad DO problem, typically usually by middle of the summer, depending on how much rain we've had in the spring. So what happens is if we have a big wet spring, they generate off a lot of the good water. And then we get, you know, by midsummer or by late summer, we're left with, with really bad um, dissolved oxygen. Um, and that used to really hold our fishery down a little bit. Uh, but the core has has been instrumental in and cooperative and when that happens when our do drops below six six parts per million then they'll they'll kick a sluice gate on which i'm getting kind of i don't want to get too lost here but um a sluice gate 
comes from below the generation tubes, so it's colder water, which helps this time of year. And then how it comes out is so violent that it 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 oxygenates the water a little bit. So we've kind of flattened those temperature swings out, and and when the DO drops, they have the ability to bring it back up now, which has really had a positive impact on the river. We don't get as much thermal shock as we used to. Like I said, the the biomass is better. Um, yeah, I've been kicking the river every year for 30 years, so, um, you know, you just kind of see these trends. Yeah. All right. So you got great fishing around here, awesome food, music scene. It's a pretty cool place to be. It is, you know, and um, you know, there didn't used to be a food scene here. You know, again, I, you know, I grew up in Denver, and then um, when I moved here, it was pretty bleak that, you know, there one a lot of restaurants that even stay open until ten o'clock now. There's some really great, there's some really great places to there's eat. Lines everywhere. It, it is. It. Um, Do you have those professional? Like in D.C., you can pay somebody to stand in line for you. I, you know, I'm sure that it's here. Um, you know, why does the city get hot? Is what's kind of funny to me. Um, like, how does Nashville become like the bridesmaid capital of the? The world now. Bridesmaids capital? Yeah. Like hot women that you want to hook up with at weddings? Well, they come here for, instead of Vegas, they're uh, coming here now. Like hen parties? Yes. Interesting. It's just crazy. Those are always fun to hang out with at a bar. It is. <laughs> well, let me tell you, come here, because they're here. I mean, just, if it's lunchtime. You step out of here, and you'll see them in the line over at Hattie Bees. They'll all have the same t-shirt on. Do they do the, like, the lifesavers? Tied to them? There's all kind of things tied to them. Phallic straws. Yeah, phallic straws or, or, or blow up, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. But, you know, that's that's the other thing. Because it's a diverse fishery and it's a pretty fun town, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people come here and and they're like, oh, you have fishing here? Or they're, they're like, oh, there's a fly shop here? Then you start talking about, you know, well, what do you want to catch? Do you want to catch trout? You want to go catch muskie? You want to catch smallmouth? You want to, you know, our striper fishery, um, there's some really big striper here um, that you just don't think about. I mean, it it if you are persistent and kind of figure some of this out, you're going to catch striper on the fly that are in excess of 40 pounds. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's chasing a... Chasing the gizzard chads around getting fat. Yeah, yep. You know, and again, you know, they chase the gizzards it dep- depending on time of year and if you're in the lake or if you're in the river. Um you know, it's a really fun fishery. The Priest is one of the better hybrid lakes in the country. They they grow really big hybrid bass there. And if you're Western guys, we you know we always call them wipers. Here they call them hybrid. So it's it's white bass striper cross. But uh, Priest has some really um, quality hybrid fishing in it. Yeah, striper fishing used to be better, but you know we were talking about. Uh, and the lake just gets so warm in the winter. The striper, or in the summer now, the striper hanging struggle a little bit. Yeah, and they're not they're not putting. Um, you know, that's a stocked fishery for us. So they're not. They don't put as many striper in priest as they used to because um, the hybrid do better. Um, yeah, and then you know, there's the hockey team did pretty damn good last season. It was better than us. Season. Capitals can't make it out around round two. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it it was great. I think what I enjoyed about it was um, they weren't expected to go past the first round. 
So it was fun. It was a fun season. The, the city was great. Um, I think it, it brought a lot of, for hockey fans, it brought a lot of um, kind of positive attention to the city, uh, even though we're in the South. It wasn't, it wasn't a sport that, you know, Southerners grew up on, but uh, the city has embraced the Preds. Where do they get the catfish they throw on the ice? Are those caught? It, probably out of the Colorado. <laughs> you know, they probably go to, to some of the international markets and, and buy some catfish. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. You ever get any of the musicians in here? You don't have to name names. I know a couple of them. Yeah, you know, there, there are several that fish. Um, and... Um, and there's there's a few that are really uh, dedicated. You know, they when they're off the road, they fish. That's that's their pastime. Inspiration for their music. Yeah, you know, and 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 just you know, I think that life on the road can be kind of tough. So just getting out, having solitude on the river, um, they enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I got to hang out with Kings of Leon on the Salmon River steelhead fishing. Yeah, you know. Um, they now a lot of them have had some children here in the last few years. Um, Mary and Victoria's Secret models. Caleb's done all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt was the one that was really one of the guitarists. He he actually really caught the bug. Um, but he's been a little, I think, a little busy with with children lately. Yeah. Fishing in the choir. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's why you know, I don't get out to fish in the Shenandoah Mountains. I don't drive two hours west of DC. I fish locally because that's all I have time to do. Well, you know that that's something we've stressed for a long time is that you know if the southern tailwaters are at the mercy of hydroelectric power um or flood control, and so it's a lot of times if we've had a lot of rain, it can be weeks before there's weightable water on the trout streams around here um and so for me, the option is. Oh, don't fish or go do something else. And, and when it's prime, is the parking lot full? Everyone knows yeah. it's it's hot. Let's yeah. all go fish. But you can you can go, you know, you can go carp fishing. You can go smallmouth fishing. You know, we can go. We can drive twelve minutes from here and go catch quality smallmouth right in the What's city. What's a quality smallmouth? Four pounds. Oh, yeah. See, I you didn't know? bring any fishing gear. I always you, regret doing that. I know you should always travel with fishing yeah. gear. You know, or you know, you can go. You can go downtown and garfish. You can, you know, you can go out to Priest and catch hybrid. You, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff in town. You know, we talked about skipjack. We, you know, we talked about buffalo. You know, there's a lot of stuff in town that if the option is not to fish or just fish, I'm going to choose to fish. Uh, it's not, you know, maybe, you know, maybe chasing gar isn't my first love, but there's nothing wrong with catching a four or five foot fish. Oh yeah, you know, and you can do that again. You can do that right downtown. Um, so, yeah, diversity and diversify. We try and we try and stress. Do you offer guided trips for all these species? We do. Yeah, yeah. So if someone needs to book a trip, just call. Email. Just call the shop. Yeah. You know, I've got, you know, I've got guys that specialize in. You know, I've got guys. You know, muskies are passion, or carps are passion, or trout's are passion, or smallmouth. Yeah. So you got someone to cater to each niche that someone yeah, wants. Yeah. You know. I started a carp on the fly tournament twenty eight years ago. People probably thought you were crazy. We got beat up for carp fishing for a long time. I chuckle now that it's you know it's caught on. It, yeah, yeah, because we got beat up 
They were never for doing all of that. You, you flip open a catalog, they didn't have any card flies a couple years ago. No. Those dedicated sections. Yeah, big sections and... You know, and people are excited about it, and it's uh, and again, it's it's great. I mean, you know, that's the other thing here. You can you can chase grassies, you can chase commons, you can chase mirrors. You know, um, you got small and largemouth buffalo. You got drum. You got freshwater drum here. I mean, it, never seen a freshwater drum. Oh, they're easy. Uh, they're really. If you got drum on the flat, you'll catch them. My cousin said they're slimy. We went looking for them in Columbus. Um, yeah, you know, there's certain times of the year where there's more on the flats um, than others. But if they're if they're on the flat and you get a fly in front of them, they eat. They're not, which is kind of nice. Yeah, you know, if you make a good cast, you're rewarded. <laughs> you know, instead of, instead of the buffalo where you make a good cast and they just kind of thumb their nose at it. But yeah, yeah. So, How big do the buffalo or the the drum? Drum get big here. Um, I don't see a lot of real big ones on the flats here. The, most of what I see in the flats are going to be five to about fifteen. That's I haven't, haven't seen any real massive drum. Are these soft flats? You sink when you go walking through them. Yeah, that's sticky. Yeah, and some of our flats, um, it's hard to see. You you get some algae blooming. Um, or if it's rained, you get there's a lot of sediment. So that's that's the tough part of sun, especially flats off the Cumberland. Um, they're not they're not clear water, and when you have a lot of mud and fish, they kick up so much silt. You know, you, you know there's a fish in there, and you catch a glimpse of a tail, but a lot of times you don't know which way he's facing. Um, a lot of times you hit the fish with the fly by accident because you can't see it, but you just have to you just have to take the shot and, and hope he finds it. Last week we were on a mud flat. And my client dropped something in the water, and I heard like a blink. Yep. And I was like, "Whatever it is, it's gone." You're never. <laughs> and we, we searched for it, and I'm like, "I'm touching the mud," and I just the hair on the back of my neck is standing up. A lot of snapping turtles here, oh. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, but you know, again, I mean, I started chasing carp because I wanted to be a better saltwater flats fisherman. Well, when you live in the middle part of the country. You only get so many, you only get so many days in saltwater. So, you know, it was a it was a way to keep in tune when you know I go permit fishing or bone fishing, you know, or red fishing, um, which to me made perfect sense. You know, again, you know, it's like there's sure you know it's not really what you want to be catching, but. How you do that is exactly how you do it when you're in salt water. And so that, you know, for me, that was the impetus to, to start carp fishing here was to stay tuned up uh, for saltwater species. Right. Fantastic. You've got uh, Jen Ripple's got an event coming up in your shop soon? She does. Yeah. Jen moved down. Is it? I guess a little over a year ago, or coming up on a year. Um, she kind of lives west of town, and we've been trying to get together. Her schedule and our schedules haven't meshed, but I think we finally got a date. Um, yeah, so we're we're excited about that. We've got um, some space stuff coming in the in the fall. Trying to get our tying classes lined up as we kind of slide in the. Do you do that in the shop? Yeah. Yeah. Just move um, stuff around. We have a, 
Uh, our tying classes, we have a, a classroom that, that oh, wow. we teach in. Um, and then our our casting stuff um, is depending on water is either done in town here or we go out um, to the Caney Fork. So it just you know it's we like to run it up there. It's a bigger system, but if they're generating, then we then we have to we have to kind of regroup something in town here. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to mention? Anything else out there? You know, you know, not really. I mean, if you're, you know, if you if you're sliding to Nashville, bring a rod. It, uh, don't again, be me. Um, yes, yeah, don't be you. Um, and you can, you know, just call one of the shops here and you know ask, is there anything going on? Really, the only thing that shuts the fishing down here is rain. We get a tremendous amount of rain, so. Um, if it if we get a big rain, it just you know that's that's what shuts our fishing down. Real, you know, anything else besides that? There's twelve months out of the year. There is something you can catch on a fly rod here. That's awesome. Yeah. What about eating? Where are your favorite spots to eat after a day of fishing? Um, you know, if you're looking for something quick, you know, Martin's Barbecue is is a good one. Um. He's a fly fisherman, so we okay. Support, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and and local business. Edley's is another one. Oh my god, that Edley's is good. Tuck burger they, yesday. Yeah, and they fish. Tuck so sandwich. you know, oh we gosh. try we try and support the people that support us. Yeah, uh, but those both those are good. Um, yeah, I, yeah, there's that's the thing. It's there's so many good places now. It's um, it's like you can't choose anymore. Yeah, I probably need to walk back to Virginia after all the food I've eaten this week. <laughs> yeah, it can I'm, happen. I'm not too poorly punished, but Bolton's yesterday. I went with the the low mild. Yeah, Bolton's can hurt you. Yeah, yeah. Don't ever tell them that they can't make it hot enough because yeah, I don't know who would eat the extra spicy. Yeah, if that's a food challenge or something, I'm not going to be a part of it. Yeah, no, it'll hurt you. Yeah. How did the whole hot chicken thing? Do you know how that started around here? You know, so. It's always been here, um, but it was it, it, it was more it was kind of an underground food scene, um, and a lot of those places were in parts of town that you really you didn't want to be in at night. Um, and then when Hattie B's opened up across the street from us, their timing just was kind of impeccable, and I don't know who did their marketing or they just work social media right um it just blew up so a lot of people are, are amazed that hattie b's hasn't been there longer than the five years they've been there because there's other places that have been there for a really long time how much chicken did you say they go through in a week yeah it's like crazy it's like ten thousand pounds oh yeah. my gosh yeah phenomenal business but that that really was the business that brought attention to the hot chicken scene in Nashville. Okay. Yeah. But Prince's, 400 Degrees, Bolton's, Pepper Fire, those have been around a long time. Um, Hattie's Pepper is kind of the newer player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're all good, though. I mean, we, we tell people, you know, try them all, compare That's, them. I'm trying they're, to do that. They're all slightly different. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. What about your website online, social media? Where can people find you, contact you? Yeah, so um, our, we are 
our online is down, getting reworked right now, and our website is about to get kind of reworked. But you know, flysouth.net. Um, That's where my email got bounced back. Right. I did the dot com. Dot com. Yeah. Fly is it so- dot net because of phishing. You know, no, there was a, there was actually some small airline that had dot net when, when we started this business. So, or that had dot com when we started this business. So we, we were forced to kind of take dot net. Snowwhite.com is like car detailing in Florida. Right. Yeah. Been upset with them for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Then, you know, we're, um, we're on all the social media platforms except for, Snapchat. But if you go to the website, you can get to everything else. Fantastic. Yeah. I appreciate the time today. This has well, been awesome. Yeah. Next time you need to call. Yeah. We'll get out and fish. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully the dinosaur park up here will be open so my daughter can play there. It should be. Yeah, it's still under construction. Look yeah. all the mosaic stuff on it. Yeah. The, the people, it drives you crazy. People get in there and pick the mosaic off and they have wow. to restore it every now and then. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a good park. Yeah. Clean bathroom. <laughs> Sometimes. All right. Thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep-sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.